0: Hello, friends. I'm your host, Chris Threl. I'm a former Royal Marines commando. I've adventured, for better and sometimes worse, across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Port the T-shirt podcast. Boom. Hello, legends. So, direct democracy. What is it all about? I don't even think I know. Let's get into it. So, friends, I'm utterly delighted to welcome an old friend and colleague of mine uh, back into my life. Um, There you go. Uh, Neil Petrie, um, very prominent voice in the freedom community, folks, and our our military connection is, whereas I was in the Marines back in the day, Neil was in the Intelligence Corps, so he's probably got a bit bit more of it than I have. (laughs) Neil, how are you, mate?
1: I'm good, Chris.
0: Thank you. Yes. So the last time I saw you was actually probably in one of my Zoom, Zoom, uh, monthly Zoom meetings where I meet, meet all my, my wonderful supporters. Um, Excuse me a sec. (coughs) Sorry, I got dust in my lungs from uh, decorating, but... um, Yes, um, but before that, it was with the Global Veterans Alliance, wasn't it? When we we marched in London to defend the kids against the psychopaths.
1: Yeah, yeah, and the NHS ones.
0: Why do you think Neil? Just going to chuck this question out there. I mean, when people talk about like. Um, Uprising, rebellion. What are you, what, what, what's that called? What they had in Cuba, you know, with old Che Guevara. What's that called? A bloody
1: revolution.
0: Revolution. Yes. When people talk about it, they often say, "You know," and then all the all the military and da 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 da. da and I'm like, no, I don't think you get it. The military are order takers. They're not because. Um, we struggled, mate, didn't we, to get sixty bloody veterans together?
1: Oh yeah, you uh, worked hard on it as well.
0: We, well, mate, I give that almost two years full time, un- for the most part unpaid. Um, yeah. We had a wee bit of support coming in. I think I paid myself one hundred and fifty pound about four times in in that whatever it was, eighteen months. Now, I'm, yeah. I'm, I mean, you just got to do the right thing. I, I'm a parent um it upsets me enough neil that richard branson goes into the schools as it is that is just what for the bloody flu for crying out loud when when did we become so sissy mental stupid that we think kids need that procedure for the flu it and i guess i don't know it's I'm speaking now, Neil, that I just hope that we can appeal to more veterans out there and hit them at the right time. They've seen the three years of nonsense. I got off the phone with a Royal Marines buddy of mine literally before this podcast and he said, Chris, our mate, mega fit, always running, always smashing it. Why did he drop dead of a heart attack? I said, what did I say to you the other day in the car? I said, because uh, most likely, because he underwent the, he went. And, you know, I got that, you know, you kind of get that response where, like, the you know, the lights are on, but no one's own kind of, you know, that very vague kind of, yeah. like, I have no, nod in the head, as if to say, I have no idea what you're talking about. And then I said, "Do you remember what you asked me the previous time when we met? You asked me why did our other why did our other buddy have a full on stroke, which is now he was lucky to come back from it, Neil. And and when I say come back, he's in a very very bad 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 way. Now, of course, I've got no medical evidence there. I it." it could and it could be completely unrelated. I hold my, you know, I own that. But it's the fact that none of the veterans' committees talking about it. They, they, they all. St- yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm sounding like I'm head up. I'm not. I'm just talking now. Hopefully, that that there's a few veterans there who have been seeing the statistics off the mainstream media and go, oh. There's a lot of people like falling over now, aren't there? Um I, wa- I wonder what that could be. I wonder if it's because nice guys like Chris and Neil would 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 like trying to make us aware for two years. Um, over to you. We got to be careful what we say, Neil. We can't suggest that certain procedures are dangerous or or against human health. But yeah, any take on on our veterans going to come with us on this?
1: Well. I think there's obviously more people becoming aware, and that will include, you know, some veterans, obviously. It's a, it spreads generally. And funny enough, I had a slightly different experience. I spoke to an old mate of mine, um, and he's ex- a Royal Marine like you, and he said that most of his friends are really het up. So it may not just be the jab, there might be a lot of other things that turn people away from, you know, what we see now with the government. And the opposition, so I, I believe that there are a lot more vets who are, for a variety of reasons, you might say, against the system now, and how it is. Now, I'm not saying that out of wishful thinking, because like you, I'm realistic about it. Because you know, I, I saw with you as well how few people came. So I do work on that, and the aim is to get more veterans, you know, involved as well. Like you, I believe that is important, because you know what we saw on the marches, what what you and organized we were at the front and that was the cutting edge with hundreds of thousands behind us wasn't it Mm -hmm. you know so the people appreciated who ran the marches what you'd done and you know what we were there to represent so i'm hopeful to get more and i'm trying to get more senior guys you know i was a major in the intelligence corps when i left 1997 long time ago you know i want more much more senior people to send the message to the establishment that, you know there's generals admirals whatever and others uh interested in seeing that this system changes because it's not acceptable is it mate it's a it's, uh, beyond sell-by date so you know like you i'm working towards a better future for uh, you know your kids my kids all of our all of our grandchildren and all the rest of it so um i'm not doing this for anything the book you know makes me no money the, the process has cost me huge amounts, you know, in terms of personal and, and financial, to, to do what we're doing.
0: Yes, I'm going to get a picture of your book. So, um, I should have probably oh, I should have probably done a bit of a a bit more of an introduction. So I'll do that now. So friends at home, Neil's book spectacular um, cover. By the way, I l- love the way the red all, all blends in with the poppies. One Vote Away, Saving the West. And this is about your foray into direct democracy, which I have to thank you for because I knew nothing about this um, until our mutual acquaintance, Aaron, said, Chris, check out what Neil's doing. And then I looked at it and, you know, I'm all up. I'm not you know, the or, I haven't become the oracle on direct democracy. That's why I've got you on the show, Neil. But I'm all up for people that recognise that the current system of democracy is so... It's never going to work. It's so corrupt. It's so nepo, nepo, ne, nepotismistic, whatever that word. It's so... You know, you've only got to look at the psychopaths that get voted in to realise... And, and when... You know, people go into democracy for the best of intentions. Like, I'm sure Tony Blair, you know, when he had a minute or two off from his cross-dressing and his, you know, hanging around public toilets, people people think I'm joking there, don't they? But, you know, when he had a moment off that, I bet he wasn't, you know, he's probably quite a nice guy. And then, of course, he went into politics. The big club, as I call them, realised that he was a very blackmailable person because of his activities and and behold, we had the Iraq war. Um Meaning you get into this horrible pyramid-y power thing and you might be a nice person, but as soon as they say, Hey, well, if you don't sign this paper, you're not going, you, you know, you're not going to become secretary of defense or you're not going to become the, the so-and-so for the so-and-so. Oh, all right, I'll 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 so dim- direct democracy, Neil. Tell us tell us a bit about it.
1: Yeah, direct democracy started in the ancient world, but it got an upgrade, you know, in eighteen forty eight basically, when the Swiss started using it. And they brought in the referendum for any constitutional changes. So the direct democracy is about allowing the people to vote on policies you're not just voting for a representative. This is the crucial difference. representative democracy, you hand over all of your goodies to this bloke, this woman, whoever it is, is gonna represent you. With direct democracy, policies, you're gonna have a final decision on if you can get enough people to support you to take it down. Because basically in Switzerland, what happens now, because what it counts is what's happening now. They've developed the system since 1848, and there's two main strands to it, really where you can affect laws as they come out of the parliament in Switzerland. So these parties and their representatives still go to parliament, but they're there really to administer. They're not governing, you see, because they kick these laws down to us and we can sit there and we have a three month period if we're against that law to put together in Switzerland, for instance, 50,000 signatures. It's about 1% in the region of 1% of the people. And then you can get a national referendum if you get those 50,000 signatures. So with just 1% of the people signing an objection to a new law, that law will now go to the people to be stopped. So this is the form they use in Switzerland. It's not necessarily the only form, but the good thing about it is it's been trialed since 1848. And the Swiss have half our national debt. Their school systems are a lot better. And they, you know, they haven't been in a war for obviously, you know reasons since 1848. And then in addition to that, the people are controlling it at local level much more closely as well. There's hardly, there's very little waste, mate. And the politicians, I always say to people, can you name me one Swiss politician? You see? No one can. They're not famous because they're just doing what they're told. This is the difference. It's,
0: yeah, it's, it, it, Oh, sorry, I'm trying to do 10 things at once here behind the scenes. Um, yes, the old Switzerland thing. Sorry if I go off a bit of a tangent, but, you know, it was... What was it that they weren't in the war? Because they was looking after all the gold for the <laughs> for the people that were embezzling it. Were, uh, were they not? Uh,
1: somewhere, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, that was going on. It's a bit like London today with London grad, you know, where you've got the... Uh, um Uh, banks in london are basically doing what uh swiss used to do the swiss brought in regulations to stop all of this use of funds and taking in the funds of the dictators as it were but in london now you know it's full of them so we can't really sit there and say you know their banks are crooked their banks have been tidied up ours still haven't Hmm. that's one of the big differences so switzerland had that issue it
0: then had to face it, you know, in public and went from there. So, Neil, direct democracy. It, have I got this a little bit right? Well, I'm always a fan when people talk about voting and I say, listen, I've never voted, not not in yep. my life. I think we've had this conversation uh, up there in London. I'm I'm literally not going to vote for my own slavery. That's just... That's just crazy behavior to not recognize that you've got a left and a right, and they're both the same greedy, you know, puppets for the greedy psychopaths. is just yeah. so obvious, isn't it? Americans are no disrespect to our beautiful American brothers and sisters, who I love, the best people on the planet. But they go, they, they really believe that this lot is going to make the future better than this lot, and and yeah. they go to town on this. You know they paint their houses red and bloody blue. That well, I mean, not. I am exaggerating, but you get what I'm saying. And I've always said um, I should just say there in case someone traces my vote in history. My mate Dan lived with me. He was a lovely German bloke, and and he ran for the Green Party. And it was really special. You know, we were young. We were at uni at the time, and um, he's like, Chris. You will vote for me, won't you? I'm I'm a very loyal person. So I I broke my rule, Neil, and I went and voted for him, you know. So I I voted once, right? But I'm always saying I love the idea, and I don't know if this is just legend. I like to think it's not. But the indigenous communities where everybody in the tribe had a say-so and everybody yeah. had to be listened to, even if you was the youngest or the most infirm or disabled or the oldest. If you put your hand up and said, chief, I want to say something right. You had to be listened to. And they had to take that into consideration. Literally like the furthest thing from what what we've got now. Yeah, it's. Does that have any bearing on direct democracy?
1: Yeah. yeah, because the referendum is for the laws that the legislators are producing. But every citizen in in uh, Switzerland, and also it's, by the way, it's the same in Estonia and in Taiwan now. But the oldest one is the Swiss one. But you have what they call the initiative. So you, Chris Throll, could put out a uh, initiative. You could say, I want, you know, I want big teacups like this to be issued to everybody. You know, and then. That could go out to the public, and if you get a hundred thousand signatures that time, so it's about two percent probably, two percent of the population, to sign up to having the big teacups, then you've got a first past the post referendum again. So every citizen can create a law. It doesn't happen too often, but it does happen. So people can stop things or create things. So basically, you've got the chance to stop laws being implemented that you don't like, or to introduce new ones that you would like to see so in that way you know you get a national vote on it if you get enough people interested because you can't vote on every single little thing but a local level you can create local votes as well in switzerland you see so you can be doing it for your bins outside and collection and delivery it's not just national and um what we're working on is this voting app Now, I'm not saying it's the way to go, but I'm just saying it's a good trial to show you how direct democracy works, because you could have it on your phone, for instance, and it's using blockchain. So you're not using the standard materials that the governments use. It's a much more secure system, and we're still working on it. But uh, basically, you could put a vote on there, you know, Chris, any vote you want on there, and it's AI checked to make sure that it's neutral. It's a neutral question. And then it goes out, and it's a yes, no vote. And you can create these so you could use it. Now, if you were standing in a council, parish council, local council, town council, MP, whichever one, and you could say to your constituents in your little local parish council, I'm the direct democracy guy. I'm putting these votes out They can have asked you what you're interested in. You go around and you find out what the people are concerned about. You put these votes together for them and they can vote on it. So uh, every local parish, every town council, you could have someone standing for direct democracy. That's what we're looking for, for volunteers for that now. We've got them piling up. and We've got the system developing. And uh, we've got, even got Neil Oliver's involved now from uh, GB News. and um, There's a Daily Telegraph uh, columnists involved, GB News people, other GB News. And the aim is to spread is that, the word.
0: Is, sorry to interrupt, you know, but is that a good thing, having...
1: Yeah, because you've got to get mass in terms of getting enough people to use the app, because right. then it becomes direct democracy. Ultimately, mate, you're asking the whole country to be involved. And the point is, you know, you and I know there's a percentage at the top that is crooked, and will always be crooked. No, no getting away from it. You know, as you say, they get blackmailed into it, or whatever it is, apart from the psychos and the sociopaths who are just bad naturally. Do you know what I mean? But then the rest get hauled in. But you still, I reckon, and This is from you know figures that have come out routinely on political surveys. You've got a, like a built in 50 percent of very normal people, you see, and then you've got the real woke brigade at the top. There may be 15 20 percent, and there's about 15 25 30 percent, whatever, who will swing you know, they're a bit independent, but you've got a built in common sense average. So, in terms of having direct democracy, your chances of making Uh, more straightforward decisions and controlling this crazy change and things that people are not happy with i mean the latest figures are about 70 80 percent of people are sick and tired of what's happening with the boats coming over see and there's no way they'd get away with that but that's a global agenda to move populations to give cheaper labor here or to get voting blocks in america whatever it is you know whatever the main reasons these different groups support it but it's not for the it's not for the nation, because these are internationalists, as you know, who are interested in one thing, which is having global control, and then they're going to be, you know, um, they'll have us under the boot. Well, you know, you and I are not going under the boot, are we? You know, that's not happening. So that's why you're doing what you're doing, I'm doing what I'm doing. But mm. you've got to have political control in the end. Otherwise, what is it? Is it a civil war? No, We. Just, the good thing is, mate, we live in a, a democracy that, Our forebears earned us the right to vote, didn't they? A million blokes died in World War I and World War II so that we had control. We didn't get control, but with direct democracy, you do, because every law has to be accepted by us. And if it's not, we can stop it. Or new laws can be implemented that we want, and we can see if we get enough support for them. So direct democracy is the only way you control policies. Forget the parties. A complete waste of time. They are there, as servants of the people, but what, what, if that's not what it's like now, is it, mate? You know, we're the servants of these grand masters, and they're doing what they're told by the even grander masters above them.
0: Yes, well, exactly, and and we're going to come on to this, Neil, and I'm going to be chucking some stuff out there. Don't worry if it, you know, if it's not your bag. I'm, I'm just, I'm a deep thinker, and I like to think everything through, and and. Um, we have had experiences where it throws the guest, and they, but you know that's just the way life is. I know what I'm sure me. I'm sure you'll be fine. Um, <clears throat> and so, right in no particular order.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, you mentioned like the boats. I mean, that's a great example. You see, I'm firmly of the belief when you trace back immigration to windrush. And you see uh, how wind this boat. And uh, I'm just going to preface this by saying, folks, we're not racist. We love all people. I think that should be pretty obvious if you watch our channel or you, you've seen what the veterans were, were up to during the last three years. Um, it's nothing to do with the fact. It's the fact that this boat rocked up at Tilbury Docks and no one knew where it came from. And when you traced it back, it was a, you know, uh, I'm just going to, say it was a certain family in business that um, they'd, they'd acquired this boat from the German Navy and they put an advert out in the Caribbean for, you know, Britain needs you when when we like literally didn't. It, it was a myth that we needed rebuilding after the, the war and all this sort of thing. And, um, you know, it, it was the start of what I say the big club destroying the cradle of Europe. Um, which has been a concerted effort to destroy all we stand for, um, you know, our community. And it's not just immigration, it's the working from home, the living in a bubble, the reporting your neighbour if, you know, he's not wearing a certain thing on his person. It's the, um, you know, there's a a lot of stuff going on in this equation and what we've seen the, the immigration thing turn into is like let's get as many illegal immigrants into Europe as possible to really screw things up. Sweden obviously fell for it wholeheartedly, and now they're suffering the you know ter- awful con- for, for for literally. And I've lived in Sweden, uh, you know. I'm not saying I agree with everything. Sweet Swedish, not well, I don't disagree. It's just a it is quite. In Sweden, if you if you leave your car running at a traffic light, someone will come over and knock on the window and say, oh, "Excuse me, would you turn your engine off, please?" <laughs> it's 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 like they are really a bit like, you know, a bit too woke sort of thing. Anyway, anyway, anyway. So, you know, I'm really onto the big club club thing. I'm aware. I I feel I'm aware, Neil, who they are, how they operate, how they network, how it goes back you know, not just thousands of years with a money supply, but certainly 400 years to when you started to get the esoteric groups in Europe, you know, doing their funny handshakes. And no, I'm not knocking the Freemasons, but, you know, using this knowledge that came that, well, the, the Templars brought back from, you know, the, um, the Middle East, which I know you're, you're you're fully aware of. What is to stop this big club regulating direct democracy so the people might think that it's direct but the club comes in somehow acts as regulators or middlemen or they control the tech as we saw with the 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 trump election you know they rig the tech and they bounce it off satellites and it comes back down and it's changed to another (laughs) you know they get another president instead um Yes, over to you, Neil, what what we're doing it's here. It's
1: quite straightforward in the end, right? The Swiss have been doing it a long time. They don't use tech. They don't use it. The French don't use tech. So the technical device that we're using, it might be something, if it proves itself, because it's, block, it's blockchain. So it's the same as the financial transactions. And so... We'll see if that works 100%. If it does, you see, the people will decide, Chris. This is the point. You know, so you you say, do you want just paper, like the French, just like the Swiss? People will decide. So, you know, and you say you still have to go down to the voting booth, you see? And this way, you can't go to every parish council and nick all the papers, you see? And they can be counted on site like the old days. And, you know, we'd finish at 10 o'clock and 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning with the paper votes 40 years ago, we were getting results, weren't we? We don't need the tech but the tech is useful if it works because you can use it routinely between votes what you could say is for little local votes or just gathering information you could use this device to get what the people want and then then when you go to the full votes you just say we're going to go for the national votes is going to be purely on paper so it'll be for the people to decide that's the great thing about direct democracy if you're suspicious of it, you know, like in America, now. would they go for technical devices now? I don't think so, you know. But, you know, the, the state, you know, um, what do you call them, legal people and all that say, yeah, this is fine. Well, yeah, because they're Democrat or they're paid off, you know, Republicans, whatever it is, you know. So, yeah, the, the reality is that when you spread the decision making about, you get better decisions because you're getting a much more input from people with different experiences. But you're right you've got to worry about the security so the first thing is as you say is to ensure that the people are happy that this is secure so if they don't like the tech you don't have tech if they want you know postal voting you get postal voting. if they don't want postal voting you don't get postal voting do you so this is when you set it up you make sure that you use i would say the the most secure method which would be turning up at uh, at a booth you see yeah that's one way To ensure that everyone's, when you're doing constitutional issues for the changes like this, you know, you might turn around and say that. But um, one thing, so you know as well, if you get enough MPs who are for direct democracy, you only need one vote in Parliament now. The 2010 Parliament Act meant that one vote in the Commons now could change our constitution. And this was Lord Sumption, who's a good guy. Lord Sumption was one of the guys you all know who was involved with, you know, Arguing against all of the lockdown, so he was a Supreme Court judge, and he he gave He's finished now, but he's he's a good man, and he turned around and he said, "You can change everything with one vote." Hence, my book called "One Vote Away," and the subtitle was really because I'd read Douglas Murray's book, you know, "The War on the West," and I thought, well, I'm not, you know, being a military man like you, I'm positive. I want to go forward, you know, so let let's save it, you know, we can save it. And I believe that direct democracy takes these controls away from all these types of people you're talking about and all these strange organisations, you know, and the ex-teens of this world who are controlling them and all the people, the intelligence people behind them, whoever they might be. You know, I mean, I'm, I am ex-intelligence, girl, obviously. But my day, you know, was 26 years ago and we came from a different ethos then, you know, when you were in the military, when I was in. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't so different. I'm sure there were crooked things going on all the time then. But now they've got much greater global control, haven't they? Mm. All of these WFs have grown like topsy. China's grown since I left the military. It was nothing really. You know, 1997, it was 2001 that they got into the World You know, um, Trade Organization, courtesy of Clinton. Mate, now- I, went,
0: I, I went to China on the train from Hong Kong. Yeah. I got an indulgence flight from the military to Hong Kong back in... 1992 we must be talking possibly 93 right and when i rocked up in china which is no mean feat as a british serviceman back then i mean I, I didn't know if i was going to end up in prison or whatever but literally i was i was like a celebrity everywhere i went i've got photos you know i've put them on i think i put one on instagram the other day of just people stopping and staring at you. And it was, you know, it was that thing, wasn't it? China's starting to wake up and things, the old rule is changing and dirt, dirt, dirt. But, sorry, I I digress a bit. Can I just ask you, Neil, and again, I'm going on a little sidestep here, but I think our friends at home will be as fascinated as I am. How how the hell does 7-7 Brigade, you know, function not not just physically as in like who are they and where do they operate but how do you get a group i'm guessing fairly young service type people or sold squadies or how do you get them sitting in a room at a computer or i don't know maybe to work from home and to do a job that is so evil um you know during the last 3 years they were busy online behind the scenes and every time you try to put a poster enlighten people as to what was going on, they're coming in behind this fake proxy identity going, oh, oh you're a conspiracy theorist. I, I suppose you, you, you like Alex Jones too and in fact, I think that was the American 7-7 Brigade, getting things, like, mixed up with the oh, Brits. No, they, I don't think they understood. We don't know who Alex Jones is, or mo- most Brits don't. So, yeah, what's your take on the old 7-7 Brigade, Neil?
1: Well, when I was in, uh, I was 27, 26 years ago, there wasn't such a thing, you know, that didn't exist. So I think it was created several years, maybe it's 10 years after I'd left. So I don't know much about it, um, but obviously I understand how intelligence works in in these areas, as it were. So who they are and who they're recruiting now, all I can suggest is that obviously young people today are more likely to be walking, you know, on woke issues, aren't they? You know, and the young recruits that they're getting are going to be from that uh, background. And a lot more of them are probably university educated than we used to get because, you know, it's just the nature. Society is now, and a lot of women, a lot of women, the proportion of women in education and uh, in universities is much higher now. So they might be taking a lot of them into the intelligence or more of them disproportionately again. So I think, you know, it's a reflection on our society that the more educated and the more indoctrinated, mate, that's the truth of it. Hmm. The more educated now, you know, and uh, Jacques Ellul, who was a French political philosopher in the 60s, 70s, he wrote a very good, good book called Propaganda and, um, and there's the control of men's attitudes or something like that. a French bloke but he made the point that the intellectuals are the easiest to use propaganda against because they're always reading lots of this and lots of that and a lot of the stuff is being produced by the intellectuals on the left. So the woke ideas are more easily absorbed by those who are highly educated, which is why you talk to a mechanic or a taxi driver, they'll tell you talk with you a lot more common sense. And a lot more realism generally mm. than you'll get from some university twerp who's a lecturer in economics, you know. And he he'll be talking off theory again. But you you know you know you've worked in you've seen how the drugs world works. You've seen how the criminal environment works. That's a huge industry, you know. Yeah, like, mate. I
0: was oh, in the, I was in I was in the British military. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> Dr- drugs, right. and,
0: drugs, and criminals—a lot of them.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. um, I was in—I was in Hong Kong as well back in the uh, between eighty-seven to eighty-nine. So um, yeah, to get into China in ninety-two, that would have been unusual, mate. Are you sure you was not a plan, <laughs>
0: mate? I was on that train, and when it rocked up at the border, I honestly—I walked it, and it—and it really was like you know r- watching Rocky Four. You know these big guards. All well, no, they're not not Russia, is it? But you you know what I mean. It's like that that cold stentorian, if that's the right word. You know, monolithic kind of dun dun dun. You're in a communist country. If you so much as breathe, we're gonna cut your balls off and send you to the gulag. It really felt like that. But um, yes, you. I just, just you touched on intellectualism then which which is a, sadly it's a curse because or you know it's not it's, to, to have intelligence isn't a curse but you can this has become a bit of a problem Neil as far as the podcast is concerned because there's people out there with incredible knowledge of so much stuff way more than I'm ever going to bloody know, you know. And yet what's happened is is they've become locked in the left brain. So they can repeat all this kind of stuff, but it's all what I call 3D matrix, you know, programmed. um, And it's, you know, that love bit, the peace, the kindness, the empathy, the interacting... You know the, the the knowing how to interact with people, the sensing how we're being manipulated in society to become a society of hate, a society of greed, um, a society of lust of want, all the all the seven deadly sins, which is just going to keep our vibration low and keep us locked, you know, locked in the matrix that that, that they they're programming. So yeah, it's in, it's interesting you. It's interesting you say that about um, 7-7 Brigade. I guess they're young and impressionable. And that brings me on to my next question quite nicely. I'm quite proud of myself there. Um, We're going to segue into this question, I believe, is the right expression. (laughs) That's it, mate, yeah. Very professional. Yeah, is – so, okay – let's use an example that's familiar with both of us, direct democracy. And here's the thing. Oh, I've got, we've got to be careful treading around this one. I probably should have picked something else. Um, okay. All right. Now let's, let's use a different one. I was going to use the medical narrative one because it's I a prime.
1: You
0: yeah. The, you know, the medical narrative folks, the last three years is a prime example of where the masses get it catastrophically wrong not just in terms of you know um, illness but in the terms of where illness comes from but th- let yeah. let me pick yeah. something else direct democracy someone comes up the idea that uh, I- I'm just going to say shoplifters should be strung up i.e. you know capital punishment is that the right word, Neil? Capital punishment—that's that, the right expression. Yeah, it right. no, yeah.
1: Right.
0: yeah, it's capital. Yeah, Yeah. and due to the nature of impressionable society, everyone's like, "Yeah, good idea." You know, smudge, good idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm up for that. Bloody string them up. Well, you don't, you know, and and this ripples around a community, and everyone's got their voting paper already. Let's, let's, let's hang them all. You know, we'll create a better society. And then someone like me or hopefully you comes along and you're like, folks, you know, little Johnny there, he's he's not a bad person. He's just had he's he's been battered from his childhood. You know, the stuff he's had happen to him is vile. And this, you know, the fact uh, that he, he no. the fact that he nicks the odd thing when he's in a shop, which is his way of you know dealing with the trauma the unresolved trauma he's going through it's not cuz he's essentially like evil um yeah, yeah, i yeah. i think little johnny needs rehabilitation and he needs love and he you know he needs a firm set of hands you can't just go around nicking other people's stuff and we're not we're not saying that but you know i think stringing him up is a bit much but 95% of the Q, or or Fifty-one percent of the community say no, string him up. How 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 does this work in direct? Because if we if we bring the the last three year narrative in, and that it wouldn't have been fifty-one percent saying you know get get the procedure. Everyone's got well, it would have been like in the beginning. It was like ninety-eight percent of people were like you got to get that thing. You've got to. Um, how do we stand here, Neil?
1: Right, it's quite straightforward in the end. You, first of all, you've got your common law guarantees that they don't disappear, and your constitutional protections don't just disappear. So if you want to come in with something that is going to, say, be that radical, then obviously you've got huge hurdles to get over because it's not just, you know, voting. There is the common law protections. The courts, the courts also protect you as well as obviously uh, the politicians and the political class so what you'll find with like in switzerland there's no death penalty you know this stuff about killing people you'll find in switzerland their their drugs procedures are much better than ours they're more moderated by normal people you see so there's a lot of you know tub thumpers and you know headbangers who want to do this or that and they're loud but when you put the the case to everybody you say look you know this is america they they kill lots of people or they don't kill them but they sit in death row for decades or whatever you know then do we want all of that rubbish as well or you know you, you have a very deep argument about something as important as that and you know you find with the swiss that they do a lot of pre there's a lot of preparation whenever there's a vote on a referendum there's a lot more coverage than we get for any stuff on the news mm. and it has to be that way you know that's part of the process because you don't want uninformed people making these big decisions. But the other thing is, mate, our greatest constitutional lawyer, A.V. Dicey, back in the Victorian era, he's very famous, his books are part of our constitution now, they're that important. And he, he said, you know, that the parties he'd realised in 1880s, 1890s, how crooked they were, and he backed referendums because he'd seen the Swiss system working for 40 years. And what he noticed as well, mate, is that you start maybe, you know, the first couple of referendums, people are not that um, trained in that way of thinking, but once they do more and more of it, they take the responsibility on their own shoulders and they start looking into things more. And they're talking about it in the cafe. Instead of talking about the rubbish on Strictly Come Dancing and that other rubbish that is there to feed your mind with bullshit, isn't it? You know, they've got rid of that. And uh, they're listening more to some item about the next vote, about, you know, clearing their bins out every two weeks or three weeks, you know, at the local level. And then they're arguing the toss. And it'd be the same with, the, with you know, the death penalty. Then you would have a very deep conversation on that one. But it would be a national vote if they could get enough people to you know, hold a referendum. So I'm not saying you would get away from it, but what I'm saying is that you'll find, like Dicey, he decided you should let the people decide, not the parties, because we st- still had the parties telling us so all what to do. But just because you have a referendum doesn't mean you can say you're going to have to take this medical stuff in your arm, because that's against the Nuremberg stuff, isn't it? It's my body. Hmm. You'll decide. You know for yourself. Other people will decide for themselves. Otherwise, you know, you're quite right to swing. Give them a swing. You know, you are not here to be taking orders just because someone else is taking orders. You know, it's we like have, we have freedom.
0: Neil, it sounds like it's a system of democracy that needs a firm structure underpinning it so people can't run away of it like they're doing now.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, well, the point is the parties are running away with it now. You know, uh, that, that's what's happening. All of these things that you think about in the past, the death sentence, all the rest of it, yeah, they were, they were put in by representative governments. If you look at all those things and then you look at what the Swiss are doing, they've got half the national debt that we have per head, you know, in percentage terms. Our GDP every year, 80% of that, you know, basically we have as a debt. And then the Swiss, it's only 40%. So you can see, because they've got control of the purse strings, they don't have the death penalty. They have a much better education system because the people decide it's down at county level, mate. It's the other thing about direct democracy is you find it usually gets devolved bold downwards. So you in your local county will have more say on your county and what goes on there for schooling, for instance. You know, so they have 26 cantons and they have 26 different education systems. But it's reckoned to be the best in the world at the, at the top end. You know, the vocational training for people is much better than ours. So, you know, we would have really good engineers at the lower level, electrical engineers. The, the apprenticeships are done, you know, properly, you know, like old school, and they have really good education for that. So we have highly qualified tradespeople, not some guy who's occasionally, you know, done a bit of bricklaying, you know, or whatever. So they have very good quality training that we lack, unfortunately, at that level now.
0: Yes. Yes. Okay. Um, final thing then, Neil, how would this relate to, uh, reestablishing, let me just use that word, our Bill of Rights?
1: Yeah, well, see, this is the other I right mean, thing. I mean, that,
0: sorry to, sorry to talk over you, but that would be one of the structures, uh, the aforementioned structures I was on about, this You know, having a system where it didn't matter if, because if all the masses voted, you know, for the medical procedure to to be compulsory, I still wouldn't want it. Do you know know what I mean?
1: Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. You know what I mean? Well, that's where, again, when you set it up, when you're first setting it up, you know, the constitution has to be set, doesn't it? Yeah, how it will work within our constitution. And all you do is you do like the Americans did. They had their Bill of Rights. They had their ten. The first ten amendments became the Bill of Rights, and they were all one paragraph. Mate, this does not take you know a magic bit of paper this long for each amendment. It's ten paragraphs. That's all. It's one, two, three, and that's ten. That is their Bill of Rights. That's why they still got guns because the number two was one paragraph saying you have the right to bear arms, and you know you have you put in you have the right not to have any medical procedures you don't want. Etc. So this is all you do. You set out a very simple, clearly worded um, additional parts to the Constitution that are a Bill of Rights. You know, and so they're not perfect because even in America, they're always arguing the toss over them. But the other thing I would say, though, is I would never leave it just to a Supreme Court to make the decision on the on the issues. You've got to have the people doing it. And that's what Dicey decided as well. There was no Supreme Court in Dicey's day, and he was a huge success as a constitutional lawyer. If you talk constitutional law to anybody in Britain who knows anything about that, the first name coming up will be Dicey. So that's how clear it was. And he's the one who was for the referendum. He said, get rid of the House of Lords. So, yeah, you're right. You need some form of agreement in the Constitution and you might be able to take it from what we've already got and just put it together in a package you know with a few additions. so you have those rights protected you know but you can also put in there maybe some responsibilities as well couldn't you you know so it's a, a bit of both you know as a citizen you're gonna you know do this or do that and the people will decide mate that's that's the main thing you see because i you know i was taxi driving in the lake district for three years i Thousands of different fairs. I used to talk to them all, listening, you know, it was like an on-ground survey, listening to what people thought about this idea and others. So I think, you know, the average I found was was um, very decent people we've got in this country, thank you very much. And I'd be very happy to let them be making these final decisions. I'm, I'm not going to agree with everything, but it doesn't mean they're wrong. Maybe I'm wrong, you know. Like you, we're not arrogant. We accept that, you know, we're learning all the time and that I'll learn from other people. And I believe that, you know, I can trust them. And like you say, if you put in there a little bill of rights, a few paragraphs, very clear, very simple, that protect you and your body, you know, from intrusion, you know, without your consent, etc. that's all we do, isn't it? We put those in. That's it. You can't go near that. Then that is not on the cards for a vote.
0: Yes. When you were a taxi driver, did you do that Robert De Niro thing? In front of the mirror. <laughs> we
1: didn't have the mic.
0: <laughs> you talking to me? You, you talking to me? <laughs> yeah. Neil, listen, I won't pretend I sit here and I know the answers to this or whether I, you know, I don't know enough about direct democracy to, and, and it's not my job anyway to, you know, cast too much ju- ju- judgment on it. But it certainly um, sounds... It's, it certainly sounds better than what we've got. Yeah. Um, any system, if it could incorporate, incorporate the spiritual battle or the warrior's journey, as we refer to it, in, would be even better still. I know. I just I just had to get that in there. It doesn't it doesn't really make sense. But um, you know, until we we hopefully someone would say right. I I put a vote that we get rid of the Marxist education in schools and we start getting a spiritual education in there, then we can actually teach kids to love each other rather than hate each other. Um, friends at home, listen, Neil and I, we're going to go over to Locals, our Locals platform. You can just see the... It, the there's a link below, folks, in the box below. Uh, we're going to go over there. We're going to do a, a, a video, of a, a supporters-only chat So that our very valuable supporters who keep this channel going can ask Neil all sorts of questions that we probably can't, you know, discuss on the other platforms. I've got one about um, Nigel Farage that I'm just—I can't (laughs) wait, can't wait to ask you, Neil, get some inside gossip there. Um, Someone very kindly—it was Ian, my co-host, Ian. Very kindly, thank you, Ian. Was reminding people: can we get some likes and subscribes? And guys, membership of the channel's one ninety nine. You get the little warrior axe that Ian's got, or you get some (laughs) such Viking insignia to mark my my part of my ancestry. Anyway, um, so yeah, if you can support the channel on locals is where we go a bit deeper, folks, so you can support us on Locals or 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 Patreon. Everywhere gets all the same bonuses, folks, except that Locals, you can contribute to the chat on Locals and watch the private videos. Um, that's it. Thank you, everyone, can I say, who's bought a copy of my book. My books. There they go. They're in the wrong order. It should be Eating Smoke. That's my Hong Kong memoir, One Man's Descent into... Crystal meth psychosis in Hong Kong's triad heartland. That was me at 26 years old, I think. Followed by 40 Nights. Great recovery memoir for those people that might be struggling a bit with the old booze or something. Um, and state of mind is how I ran the length of the country, um, non stop, bar sleeping at the side of the road and carrying a very heavy burden. Uh, to raise awareness of veteran suicide. That's quite a good book if, for those of you looking to smash it out a bit. And uh, and the final thing I'll say, if you're struggling, folks, if you're hearing stuff in these podcasts that you think, yeah, I, this kind of makes sense, but I'd like to learn more, or you might be battling the booze or, or wanting to do a parachute jump, whatever it is, hit me up for some inexpensive life coaching Uh, I do money back guarantee if I don't make your life better you don't pay me you know that that's not a bad deal is it really uh Neil absolutely fantastic chat mate stay on the line so we can go straight over to locals but um yeah I um I really enjoyed that and it was great to see you again
1: Andrew Chris thanks a lot mate
0: I've put a link for Neil's book below folks and, Neil, can I just clarify before I go and post it and get this wrong? Your Twitter, is it twitter.com forward slash direct demos UK? Or is that someone else?
1: No, it's, um, it's DD got, right now. It's, it's DD, what, sorry? D, DD right now.
0: DD right now. Okay, we'll I'll, I'll put that link below after our chat. Friends, much, much love. See you on Locals.